0: Did you say something you regret having said recently? You'll find out this week when your words come back to haunt you, next on Horoscope
1: Highlights. Hi there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of The Cosmic Calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice and how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy!
2: Hey all, this is Rick Levine, and I'm inviting you to join me in a new class on the Astrology Hub starting mid-November, starting November 14th. And this is going to be four Zoom classes of live chart interpretation focusing on bringing the harmonic aspects down to Earth. So we're going to step beyond the squares and trines and sextiles and oppositions into the magical world of quintiles, septiles, and even octiles and other strange tiles. But this course is a hands-on working with charts. I'll be doing four charts each class, a view of participants looking at the harmonic aspects, followed by an additional Q&A session. Find out more information about this and or register at astrologyhub.com harmonics. I'm Rick Levine, and I'll see you online. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom and I'm your weekly
0: horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about Mercury in Sagittarius, forming a square to Saturn in Pisces on November 10th. But before we do, did you know that you could read about transits to your own sign by subscribing to my weekly newsletter? Go to astrologyhub.com horoscope Again, that's astrologyhub.com horoscope to subscribe. Now, let's talk about that Mercury-Saturn square. This week, Mercury, the planet of communication, enters the zodiac sign of Sagittarius, where it will immediately form a square to prohibitive Saturn in the zodiac sign of Pisces. Now, what is Mercury in Sagittarius like? Well, Mercury, as we know, is the planet of the way we speak, the way we communicate. Uh, It rules over the things we say, the way that we want to say it, our conviction about what we're saying, Um, and it also rules over our ability to listen, to take in what the other person has to say. Now, there are 12 signs in the zodiac, which means that there are 12 ways that your Mercury can communicate in an astrological chart. So when Mercury enters the zodiac sign of Sagittarius, well, um, it's very loud and it's very opinionated. Now, Mercury is in detriment in the zodiac sign of Sagittarius. Detriment in astrology means not at home. The planet isn't as comfortable in that sign as it is in the sign where it's in domicile or the sign that it rules. Mercury rules the zodiac signs Gemini and Virgo. It's it's said to be most at home, most comfortable in these signs. In Gemini and Virgo, Mercury is analytical. It's very uh, shrewd and clever. It studies the facts and the details. And it's always really good uh, with a comeback, with a really good comeback line. Now, Gemini and Virgo analyze uh, information differently. Uh, Gemini's information comes from conversation. Okay, so Gemini is always involved in having conversation with other people. It learns things from other people, and the things that uh, Gemini learns from other people are things that need to be put to use right away. So there's a kind of immediacy to a uh, Mercury ruling Gemini, uh, something that the t- that both the sign and the planet both share. It's it's what information can I get as quickly as possible and put it to use as as fast as possible. But Geminis are very good at listening for the facts. They're very good at uh ferreting out the inconsistencies. And so as they are speaking or conversing with someone, they're also analyzing what the person said, sometimes even saying, Well, you just said this and saying it back to the person. And the person's like, I did. I don't remember. Yes, you did. Maybe uh maybe about two minutes ago you said this. How how does that uh, square with 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 what you're talking about? And so the person might be like, "Flummox." And and so this is. Geminis are very good at being active listeners and active speakers. They're, they're interactive is probably the best way of putting it. And they think very fast on their feet. And their ability to identify a problem and to solve it comes very, very quickly. It's very easy with that sign. The way that Virgo analyzes, Virgo sort of almost needs to leave the conversation, okay? And it needs to work out the solution to a problem by itself. It it, it doesn't want to be dealing with people's um, uh, uh, opinions or input or something like this. It it almost wants to go off and sort of figure out uh, what the problem is and uh, come up with the solution, then come back and and, and deliver it. So, Gemini is much more spontaneous than, than Virgo in its interactiveness. But, Virgo, when it comes back, will teach or train someone in a method. That is very easy to follow, okay? I, I think part of the reason why Virgo leaves the situation to really analyze and think about it is because they feel very much a responsibility to communicate this to someone so that they learn it for themselves, that, that, that the action steps or the methodical steps that someone takes are easy to take. They're not hard to follow. And this is something that Virgo will very much focus on. So Mercury in uh, Gemini and Virgo are pretty much problem-solving placements, um, analytical, and coming up with the solution. But Virgo also shares with uh, Gemini in immediacy, uh, whatever solution I come up with has to be able to be applied immediately and effectively. And so that's the way that these two zodiac signs work. Now, Mercury in the signs of its detriment uh, and a detriment is any sign that is opposite the sign that a planet rules or is, is at home in. Okay, so Mercury in the sign of its detriment, uh, if, if Mercury rules Gemini, it's in detriment in Sagittarius. If Mercury rules Virgo, it's in detriment in Pisces. What's interesting is that Mercury is in its detriment in Jupiter-ruled signs. And that tells you something right away, <laughs> okay? Uh Mercury is very much about studying the detail or listening for the small inconsistency or playing with a word. And it's very, as I said, interactive and, and and immediate. Mercury in the Jupiter ruled signs, Jupiter is the largest of all the planets in the solar system. So uh, Mercury in a Jupiter's ruled sign is not analytic in the way that we understand analytic. It's more... Um, uh, 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 preaching or talking about big ideas, okay, and so um, with the Jupiter ruled signs, Sagittarius and Pisces, what they have in common is anything of philosophical, uh, anything of uh, belief based uh, ideas, uh, big ideas, larger than life concepts, huge unanswerable questions like, um, what is life about? And what is the reason for my existence? Okay, these these are questions that for Sagittarius or Pisces, they could just pursue them all day. They could be like, "What is life about? What is the point of my existence? Do I have a higher meaning? Hmm, maybe I should go look for it." Okay, so 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 uh, Sagittarius and Pisces, these are the zodiac signs of pilgrimages, of of spiritual pursuits, of 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 quiet and solemn retreats, okay, where they really ponder uh, the big questions in life. As you can imagine, this is of little, if any, interest to a Gemini or Virgo. They're kind of like, I don't feel like going on a retreat. The answer's right here. It needs to be quickly solved. We don't have time to go and on, on a pilgrimage. Um, you know, things need to be taken care of pronto, immediately, quickly, okay? And so that's kind of the difference between the two. Uh, again mercury is more comfortable most comfortable taking care of things in in the moment taking care of things immediately and genuity and spontaneity are very uh strong and identifiable uh mercury traits um when it's in detriment it it can it doesn't lose its quickness um and it doesn't really lose its spontaneity but what it kind of loses is its focus. Okay. It, 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 there's more of a detail um, uh, orientation when it's in Gemini and Virgo, but when it's in uh, Sagittarius and Pisces, uh, the, the statements are more sweeping, um, the, the, the uh, message is more global, um, and the questions asked aren't really meant to be answered. They're meant to be thought about. Or pondered, or or to leave people speechless with like, that was so profound. I, I, it resonates in such a it, it's a different way of 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 messaging, right? So uh what is Mercury in Sagittarius? Well, as you can imagine, uh uh Mercury in Sagittarius is going to be very opinionated, um, and it's going to have very colorful opinions. It's probably going to have an opinion about. Everything that is going to be discussed, Uh, whether that opinion has been contemplated or studied, whether that opinion is even informed, uh, that's beside the point. What's important is to weigh in with an opinion, to have something to say. Okay, this is what's important for anyone with a Mercury in Sagittarius. Uh, People who have Mercury in Sagittarius are natural storytellers, and they're kind of natural stand-up comics, okay? Um, they're natural storytellers because the truth never sounds as good as the way they tell it when you have Mercury and Sagittarius. It's it's told with great with with great theatric theatricality or great conviction or personal experience or just being possessed of the spirit and and speaking um and and speaking from an inspired place. Okay. So so this can be very much part of the Mercury and Sagittarius. What you also get with Mercury and Sagittarius is bit of the preaching okay a little bit of the uh sermonizing you know one finger pointed up to god you know and, and and extolling on the great uh beliefs and truths um of 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 the universe okay you can you can very much get this with the uh mercury in sagittarius type um it, and remember that sagittarius is a moral sign uh, which is very different from Mer- from Gemini. Uh, if you think about it, Gemini it can be moral, but it's not really married to it. <laughs> Gemini is more interested in how do we get from point A to point B, you know, and sometimes that's done in a transparent, above board way. But sometimes if you need to cut corners and take a shortcut, that's what you need to do. So 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 Gemini isn't too concerned about um what what the what the moral uh, point of something may be because it knows that at certain points you have to bend the rules to get something done. Um with, with Sagittarius, uh they don't really bend the rules. They see themselves a natural exception to the rule. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, it's a Jupiter thing. Um but with Sagittarius, it's you know this this extolling of great great truths, um, this preaching. There's a there's a moral uh clause or purpose to what they have to say. Um, and what you can also get, uh, as I said, sort of the stand-up comedian, um, a Mercury and Sagittarius will say and do just about anything for the uh punchline, the laugh line. Okay. So, yes, there is that quality to the Mercury and Sagittarius. There's that moment where they're kind of like, Oh, you know, I really shouldn't say this, but boy, is that a good laugh line? I gotta, i I gonna say it anyway. <laughs> you know, even if people are like, how could you? They're like, yeah, but you laughed. You know, so so that is part of the Mercury and Sagittarius thing. The other element that you get with a Mercury and Sagittarius is the proselytizer, uh, meaning the converter. Okay, so it's not enough to just you know have a a a finger pointing up to God and to be on a first-name basis with God, um, people with Mercury and Sagittarius also have this need to convert. Um, It's not so much winning the debate as it is, I need to convert you to my way of thinking. I need to convert you to my way of seeing the world. And again, that's where Jupiter is showing its uh, qualities uh, in the zodiac sign that it rules, which is Sagittarius so there can be the sermonizing and there can be the proselytizing and there can be uh without having been prompted or asked the expression of very colorful opinions uh this reminds me a lot of um when i was teenager when i was in my in my salad days when i was green with youth um there was a commercial that was on tv for a product which i thought was like was the most fantastic thing and it was called um, Mr. Microphone. <laughs> yes, it was called Mr. Microphone. And I think it was put out by Ronco, which put out like a bazillion things in the 1970s. <laughs> OK, but uh, Mr. Microphone was that um, you could have a microphone and you could plug it into a radio. And and uh, but I think it had to be like FM or something like that. But you could plug it into the radio and you could talk and it would just like be really loud and everyone could hear it. And so, you know, if you had like a boombox or if you had like a transistor radio, or if you had like your car radio, you could plug in your Mr. Microphone and everyone could hear you. And I remember, I remember asking my mom, you know, could you buy me a Mr. Microphone for Christmas? And she's like, Christopher, not a good idea. And I was like,
2: why not? And she's like,
0: trust me, not a good idea. Um... And so I didn't get my Mr. Microphone, but Mr. Microphone uh, in this commercial, uh, what was so funny uh, was first of all the women never spoke. Well, okay, the microphone was always being passed to a guy who would start speaking. Okay, so the women were just sort of like there, like to look admiringly at this guy who was just going on about whatever with this Mr. Microphone. So that, I think, was was a giveaway. Um, and I think that, you know, because it was very much like men talking, hugging microphone, you know. Um, and then there was like I, I, and they would show Mr. Microphone in different vignettes. Like there was like Groove Guy listening to his radio and singing along with Mr. Microphone, you know. Or there was like this kid who had a, a blonde curly hair who was like, hey, good looking, we'll be back to we'll be, we'll swing back to pick you up later. (laughs) So Mr. Microphone was really, honestly, it was the fantasy of Mercury and all fire signs. (laughs) It was just the, it it was their dream come true. It was like, everyone's going to hear me, you know, and I could be cheesy in public. Okay. So this was like Mr. Microphone. And so this can be kind of what happens with a Mercury in Sagittarius. It could be like, you know, I, I, I'm talking really loudly and everyone's going to hear what I have to think and say and things like this. And so what you can sort of miss with the Mercury and Sagittarius is the idea of um, are people listening and, are, uh, and, and do people want to hear what you have to say? Um, and that brings up the Saturn in Pisces. Uh, no sooner does Mercury enter the zodiac sign of Sagittarius on November 10th than it is squared by Saturn in Pisces. Now, Saturn in Pisces has its own relationship to communication. First of all, uh, one of the phrases that comes to mind when I think of uh, Saturn in Pisces is vow of silence. Okay. Uh, Pisces is a zodiac sign that um, is associated to mystical and profound experiences. Uh, in astrology, we yep. we often will sort of read associations of signs with the houses on an archetypal model. Um, you know, the ninth house, for instance, is the house of long journeys and of uh, religious institutions. And we'll often think, okay, that's Sagittarius. And then the twelfth house, of course, is mystical. Uh, heretical and it ruled all of those uh, beliefs or religious faiths outside the mainstream okay so so with the ninth house or sagittarius you have almost um institutional religion this is religion defined by its doctrine um and defined by its masses okay and uh religions like corporations which are also um ruled by the ninth house want to uh merge and acquire, or they want to invite as many people into the fold as possible. And so there can be a very strong conversion uh, impulse uh, to to, uh, to that ninth house and therefore uh, to Jupiter and perhaps even to Sagittarius. Um, the 12th house, which is uh, associated to Pisces only archetypally um, in the archetypal chart, which is what I'm referencing here, uh, it's more the mystical, the quiet experience. Uh, you can have the person giving the sermon you know speaking to everyone in a in a church or or a religious setting, and then you could have the monk or the nun who's retreated from all of that and who studies in the silence of their own heart and soul uh the the speaking of uh god or or whatever the particular deity may be, so there's a sense of retreating away from the public realm of this is what you have to believe uh with Pisces, it's more like. I'm on a mystical journey and and it doesn't matter if I'm sharing it with other people or not. It resonates and is very, very powerful for me. But monks and nuns uh, were often associated with Pisces and or the 12th house. And one of the things that was featured for a monk or nun was the vow of silence. Okay, so the vow of silence of like not speaking um, or, or only speaking to particular people keeping one's own counsel. It was seen um, in some regards as obedience and was certainly satirized as obedience. But in the act, it was more a regard of keeping one's own counsel with the conscience of God. So it was seen as really uh, communing with God in a very private and a very personal way. So a vow of silence is part of the uh, Saturn and Pisces. you you don't you don't speak okay uh you can you can easily see how that would um square the mr microphone you know, uh mercury and sagittarius okay which is all about like you know it's all like saturn and pisces is like shh, shh, don't speak you know if you ever saw Boldus over broadway shh, 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 don't speak okay it's it's that vow of silence uh the other thing that you have with uh saturn pisces is Saturn and Pisces is not easily swayed? And that's an interesting idea because well, is Saturn and Pisces not easily swayed because it's skeptical? You know, because it's cynical, uh, questioning, full of doubt. Um, I find that if Saturn and Pisces is not easily swayed, especially by something doctrinal, okay, uh, something that says this is what you should believe it's not easily swayed out of its resistance, all right? Um, A word that doesn't get a lot of play these days, which is interesting because there's accusations of it all over the place, but a word that doesn't really get a lot of play these days is the word heresy or heretic, okay? Um, Now, other religions are very quick to point out how followers of other religions aren't really aren't, aren't real people because they haven't signed on to you know their idea I mean this has been going on with religion since you know the dawn of time um so so if you were a heretic uh you were basically a follower of a competing religion okay or you might even have once been a follower of the dominant religion but now you've branched off in a different direction and you are Uh, in rebellion to uh, the way that God should be understood, okay? So a heretic was either uh, following a religion that had nothing to do with the dominant religion, or it was a follower of a dominant religion who now wanted to go off in a very different direction. And so that was almost like seen as open rebellion to the dominant religion. So heretics, like witches, were burned at the stake on a pretty regular basis. Um, and and were certainly uh, persecuted during the 500 years of the Spanish Inquisition. But um, that that not easily swayed doesn't necessarily, as I said, come from a skepticism or cynicism. It comes from a resistance, okay, that Saturn and Pisces not easily swayed. I'm not going to be won over with platitudes. I'm not going to be told what to believe. I'm not going to be forced to genuflect or to to honor a creed that i don't believe in or that doesn't resonate with my soul you know my soul and my relationship to my soul is something that is higher or different from what is established and i'm not going to bend the knee to it so so this so this is where the kind of saturn and pisces comes from, if it's in your astrological chart, if you find yourself resisting, bending the knee, and it doesn't have to be in a religious context, might even be at work or something when you're told what to do, anytime someone tells you what to do, and there's a resistance to it, that's a Saturn and Pisces, you know, and the resistance isn't to be a troublemaker. The resistance is, I feel like I'm answering to a higher authority or another authority. And I'm not going to be converted to, to, you know, to you. I'm not going to go and join your cause or your community because I'm being forced to. Um, I answer to something else. And as you could imagine, heretics were often oppressed and often uh, vilified. uh, Things that we've discussed before with the planet Saturn. And so this becomes uh, quite embedded in the zodiac sign of Pisces, which has a tendency to be connected to uh, martyrs and saints, you know, and uh, there were many people who were put to death because of their beliefs and because of their resistance to what was the domineering uh, belief. And so finally, when we look at the uh, Saturn in Pisces, what we have here is also a mistrust of words. All water signs pretty much in general cancer uh scorpio pisces have a mistrust of words. Uh they feel like when someone starts pelting them with words, they're camouflaging something or they're trying to um play with their head um or they're telling them that what they feel doesn't matter or what they feel isn't rational or what what they feel is made up, okay? The water signs are a deeply feeling sign, okay? So feelings don't easily lend themselves to articulated words. They lend themselves to writing. You see a lot of water signs involved in writing, but um, writing is not the same thing as speaking. And so the water signs, because they really feel the presence of the emotion so powerfully and feelings are meant to be felt, and so what they really rely on is an emotional rapport with someone else. Um, when someone starts hitting them with words, like uh, uh, telling them, you know, well, well, what do you feel? And the water sign's inclination is often like, you know, I don't know, what do you, you know, like, like not to really talk about it because feelings are meant to be felt. It's almost sacred saying, um, you know, So, so there's this real mistrust of words, that words can be manipulative, that words can be mocking. Um, that words can de- devalue their own personal experience. So here you have, you know, um, in squares, you can always see it, it, in world wrestling. Okay, it's kind of like and Sagittarius versus Saturn and Pisces, ding ding, go at it, you know. Okay, so here you have the two uh planets going, going at one another in in a square. And so it begs the question, what do you do? When someone confronts you with something you said, okay, that harmed them, that hurt them, what is your reaction? Okay, I'm not talking about this week, someone saying what you said is untrue, because those conversations (laughs) go on every day. But um, how do you react when someone says to you um, what you said hurt um, or what you talk about, you know, online and social media or whatever, um, causes a lot of harm or someone confronts you maybe with something you said years and years and years ago that, that caused them pain. Okay. What is your reaction to that? Is it to outshout them, you know, talk louder than they're talking? Is it to justify what you said? You know, well, I have Freedom of, of expression. This is what I think. This is what I have to say. Deal with it. You know. Do you you know pump up the chest and get you know sort of Jupitarian uh, uh, preacher at pulpit like you know and 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 rail at them you know um, or do you uh, pretend like it never happened? I don't know what you're talking about. I never said such a thing. I I, I my memory's fuzzy on 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 that. You know. But what is your reaction? When someone really takes you to one side and says, what you said hurt me, what you said harmed me, what you said disparaged me. Me. And this puts me in mind very quickly of an incident that happened to me when I was at the Juilliard School of Drama for a hot year. Uh, I wanted to be a playwright, not an actor. and So in order to do that, I had to uh, transfer over to the NYU Department of uh, Playwriting and, and Film. But I did do One Marvelous Year. <laughs> yeah, One Marvelous Year at the Juilliard School of Drama. Um, but we were doing, um, actually, I learned a lot. I hated every day of it, but I learned a lot. Okay, so it was very in that year at the Juilliard School of Drama. But um, we were in an acting class, and we were doing Stanislavsky method, or maybe it was like Strasberg method or somebody's method. Um acting and method acting is is it's it's complex, but it deals with drawing on yourself as a personal instrument and 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 it sets objectives and sense memory and all these sorts of things. It's basically things to help you imagine. Okay. Uh not to know, but to imagine. Imagine a character. And so we were doing um an exercise where half the class were animals in a zoo. Uh, I think we had been told to go to the Bronx Zoo uh, the week before um, and look at the animals, but then also to look at the people looking at the animals, you know, sort of thing. And and where other people are just interacting normally, you know, we as an acting class, were going up there and like black turtlenecks and really studying, really studying the, the chimpanzee and, and, and really studying, coming up to someone looking at the chimpanzee and studying them with great interest. I think we succeeded in, in unsettling a number of people who had come to see the animals that day with our, our, our fervent and, and, and serious approach to studying their interactions. But anyway, so now we we're back in acting class and um, I had seen this kid who was being a real hell raiser or something like that, you know, and I decided I was going to be that kid, you know, because I was on the human side and then the other class was like a llama or a panda or, or a chimpanzee or a leopard or something like that. And so I was like this, you know, punk kid and I'm like, you know, messing up the animals and they're reacting to me and actually sort of like uninterested (laughs) because there were actors playing animals who were just like, oh God, Christopher is acting like a, but anyway, um, there was this one kid who was playing a llama and I was like, you know, trying to upset him. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I spat at him, you know, I, I spat and it landed right, you know, like on his head and he had this like, very quick look of horror, and then because he's a really good actor, maintained. You know, went back to his llama expression. Okay, so 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 this this was an incident, um, which I didn't think anything of because I was acting. You know, but afterwards, after the acting was done, I was called in by the acting teacher who said, "You know, you you spat at at someone." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I did." You know, I was eighteen, incorrigible. But anyway, these are the things you get to do and learn at 18. Hopefully you learn them at 18 and you go on with your life. But anyway, he was like, "Well, you spat at um so and so." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I did." And, and and he was like, "Um, and that's really not called for." And I'm like, "Oh, back up here. What do you mean not called for?" And he's like, "That's not okay." And he's like, "Well, I was watching kids do that at the Bronx Zoo when we were doing our study or whatever." And I was being true to myself. And, and the teacher's like, you're being, and I said, I was doing sense memory. I was like, you know, I was a kid. I was like, whatever. I saw a kid do that, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm like in my moment. I'm in like my punk moment. So I like spat at him. And so like, that should be all right because I was doing sense memory. I was, I, I was acting. <laughs> oh, God bless acting teachers, <laughs> what they have to put up with. But anyway, and so the teacher took a moment and he smiled, you know, and he said, Christopher, what you're saying is true. I I believe that you saw a kid acting that way at the zoo. Um, And I applaud your choice to bring that into the exercise. And your commitment to your inner life was well stated. But is there a way we can do it without harming another actor? And I'm like, it was just a spit. And he's like, you harmed him you know you 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 spat at him it landed on his face it transgressed space it didn't show reaction and it wasn't okay and i was like well help me out here how do i how do i um h- how do i reconcile that with my with my inner life my method acting and and with he's like listen you reconcile it like this you're on stage with another person you don't do them any harm period okay You know, that's why we learn um, uh, stage combat. That's why we learn how to affect uh, 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 an action without actually doing it. Uh, Christopher, it's why if someone gets shot in a scene, there isn't a bullet in the gun. Okay, it's it's this is this is the way it's done. You show a respect to your fellow player. Respect to fellow player. Yes, respect to fellow player. But what about my sense memory and? You can bring the sense memory, but it doesn't mean that you've stopped being Christopher. You're an actor. You bring the sense memory, you bring your inner truth, and you respect the other person that you're playing with. You know, otherwise, it's not, you're not, you shouldn't be allowed on stage, you know, because you're not directing your instrument. You're not directing your performance. Did I make myself clear? Yes, yes, you made you so clear. I'll go back and think about it. You go back and think about it, and we'll see you in class tomorrow. Well, the reason I'm telling that story is A, it was a really he was a really great drama teacher. Okay, that's number one. Number two, this idea of playing and interacting with people. Nowadays we hear a lot about my freedom of speech. I get to say the things that I that I say, you know. Um, I need to be heard. I need to be Mr. Microphone. <laughs> I need to, you know, express who I am. But how much do we really take in the impact that it's having on other people, and how much are we listening to what the other person says? All right, are we? So caught up in our polemical truths that they have to hear this? Are we so wrapped up in our interpersonal truths that this trumps the effect that it's having on the other person, which might be transgressing on their space or, or, or hurting their feelings? The square reminds us that we're not living in the world alone. You know, yes, you can have expression, but expression is part of communication. You know, you don't, you don't get to just sound off) <laughs> you know and do whatever there are people that you're sharing this world the space with okay and you have an obligation to them you know you don't have to agree you don't have to bend the knee and you don't have to um demand that they uh appreciate or whatever um or you can do that but they don't have to do it you know you can say like i want to be seen and people can be like you know i uh, so what you know i i, I mean when you've got a Mercury and Sagittarius squaring a Saturn in Pisces, it can be kind of like a comic act in which all the jokes are going over like a lead balloon. And instead of laughing, the audience, you know, you're hearing chirping crickets. You know, you have to sort of be able to read your audience, you know, when you have squares like these. And to read people reminds me of this, uh, Joan Rivers had a had a comedy show and she had uh, Lucille Ball on for a moment and they were talking and they were being dames together and things like that. But then they brought on this starlet who came on after Lucille Ball. And the starlet um, wasn't Joan Rivers and she wasn't Lucille Ball, not by any stretch of the imagination. And she told what she thought was a funny story. Audience was silent, but she laughed and she started to tell another funny story. And at and 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 the audience wasn't laughing, and she was getting nervous. And Lucille Ball leaned over to her in one of those mock whispers and said, you're losing them. She just said, you're losing them, kid. And that's kind of the thing. You have to, like, read your audience. What am I getting at really here? Which is, if you have something to say, say. But if you're going to say it and you want people to hear it, then you need to also hear what they have to say about what you're saying. It's, it's etiquette and it's also basic communication, and it's also the way that we need to be there for one another nowadays. You know, there's a lot of opinionating that's going on, and there's a lot of sermonizing, and there's a lot of outrage, and there's a lot of very loud voices that don't listen to anyone else. And we need to be able to listen to one another or to speak in a way that respects the person who's being spoken to. That's very important in this day and age, and especially important when we also have um, incendiary Mars forming an opposition to volatile Uranus this week. That basically means that any comment or action is going to be like gasoline thrown on the fire. And so you can either play into that bonfireness. You know, that sort of bonfire of the vanities that that may be going on this week. Or you can take a moment that if you're going to say something, that you respect people's right to listen and to respond to it. It's what makes you a, a, a communicator. And it's also what makes you a role model. It's a way that you can set being a role model so that you just don't become a Mr. Microphone. But someone who is very interactive and a part of the community that you live in.
2: The entirety of our known universe, from the subatomic microcosmic level to the galactic macrocosmic level, is all built upon the blueprint of sacred geometry. Everything in the cosmos is made up of the sacred geometrical laws that bring reality into existence. You know, traditionally, we astrologers look at these patterns through a 12-fold system based on 12 signs of the zodiac. However, dividing a cycle by 12 is not the only way that nature works. It's just a very convenient way for us to mathematically divide a circle by two, three, four, or 6, which of course creates the traditional aspects all astrologers know well. Unfortunately, This patriarchal bias prompts us to miss a lot of the action when we divide a circle by the magical five or the otherworldly division by the number seven or even the motivational number eight in order to widen our astrological thinking. So, So we can make invisible worlds visible. We're going to look at quintiles, the division by five, septiles, The division by seven. Octiles, called semisquares and sesquisquares, that's the division by eight, and even more. Hey all, this is Rick Levine, and I'm excited to be announcing my latest course, Unlocking the Magic of Harmonic Aspects. This, as some of you know, is one of my favorite astrological topics, And I'm quite pleased to be teaching this uh, on the Astrology Hub. Although the course actually includes a one-hour introductory video that's a crash course in harmonic aspects for anyone unfamiliar with them, it's also a refresher for those who have already studied some of these aspects. But the course is not a course on theory. It's a hands-on practical application of harmonic aspects for natal chart interpretation. I'm going to be reading four charts per class in four two-hour live Zoom webinars, meaning that 16 lucky students will be chosen in advance and will be brought on screen to have me analyze, to unfold their harmonic aspects, revealing things about charts that maybe these people have never had put into words in an astrological session. So... I invite you to come along on a mind-expanding ride and take a next step into your astrological studies. More information, details on the curriculum, and registration is available at astrologyhub.com harmonics. I'm Rick Levine. See you online.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Horoscope Highlights. Please don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. Your support means a lot. See you next week.
1: This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.